The topic that I'm going to be talking about today, and I want you to turn to your neighbor and just say it to your neighbor real quick. I am not alone. alone. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I am not alone. Now, before you find your seat, turn to your neighbor, give him a high five. Tell him, thank you for coming to church today. Thank you for being here. Your church outfit looks amazing. It looks beautiful. Amen. 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 God is good. I don't know what this is. Listen, you, you may be seated in the presence of God. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You guys standing up. I'm like, wait, I could have sworn I said sit down. Have a seat. But that's cool. I am not alone. Uh, this, this today, what I'm getting ready to talk about, is something that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, relationships is one of the hardest things that we can ever have in life. But it's also one of the greatest things that we can ever have in life. Relationships are not always easy. But they're not always hard. Relationships sometimes are what makes and breaks us. I remember growing up, my only relationship that I knew was the relationship that I had with my family growing up. Because, you know, I'm a kid and I'm growing up, and it was my family the one that taught me how to, how to, how to, you know, how to act, how to live, and how to talk, and how to move, and how to behave. And a lot of the things that are in me now are, are still in me because that's something that was taught to me because of my relationship with my family. Now, as you get older, you, you begin to build different relationships. You begin to see yourself in middle school, and you go to middle school, and now you have a relationship with middle school students, and now you have a relationship with high school students. And as you get older, the relationships just keep growing and growing. They get Sometimes when you're in elementary school, relationships are easy. You know, my, my daughter right now is in kindergarten, and, and she comes home, and she goes, but daddy, everybody likes me. And I go, amen, praise it while it lasts. Everybody likes you. Because you know, once you get a little older, (laughs) you begin to realize that not everybody likes you. No matter how hard you try, there's always going to be people that come into your life that are there to hate. But you have to be able to operate how I operate. I got this system in my body when you don't like me, I go, skirt. So try it right now. Just be like, skirt. 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 Turn to them and be like, skirt. Somebody was like this, like, oh. <laughs> but this Bible verse says a lot. It says in Genesis 2.18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Now, some of y'all, right away, y'all already thinking about relationships, and this is going to be a topic about marriage. And I'm like, amen, hallelujah, marriage is great. I'm not going to talk about marriage today. Even though I want to, I'm not. What I'm really going to talk about is about relationships. Because God specified this to Adam to be a relationship with Eve. But then to me, I I, I take it and I think about God said that he was going to put people in my way that are going to be for me, that are going to help me, that are going to get me from one place to another. I wouldn't be grabbing this mic if I didn't have a relationship with Elder Ross. He saw a gift so many moons ago, what, 10 years ago? And he said, listen, I want you to bring a Bible study to the men. I was 20. I wasn't even a man yet. But what he saw was something in me. And it was in that relationship that I was able to see, wow, I actually do have a gift to talk. 
this is actually pretty cool. But it wasn't based on the fact that I said it to myself. It was based on the fact that I had a relationship with him. Sometimes relationships are great because they help you get to the next level. And, and it's on the relationships that you have that will either dictate whether you do go to the next level or you don't go to the next level. And that's the part where it gets tricky because there's not a lot of guidelines to relationships. You know, sometimes when I was growing up, I wanted all of my friends to look just like me, talk just like me, dress just like me, like the girls that I like, like the clothes that I like, like the sports that I like. And I realized that when I looked in the room, everybody was just like me. And it was weird because I started to to think about it. Now, if you can go inside your mind and actually think about all of your friends. How many of you guys are over 30? You shouldn't raise your hand when I said that. You're like completely six pounds. All right, cool. He's proud. Raise your hand if you're over 30. All right, hands down. Now, raise your hands if you're over 25. Over 25. 25. Jesus, you 30 people are like, wait, am I? (laughs) Last time I checked, 40 was the new 20. I mean, Jay-Z said it. No, 99 problems, but 48 won. But how many of you guys are younger than 25? Raise your hand if you're younger than 25. There they go. How you doing? All right. So we we got different age groups, which is good. Because some of us might understand where I'm coming from, some of us might not, but we're all here to help each other out, all right? Now, if you think about some of the friends that you had at elementary school, by raising hands, how many of them are still around? Say, raise your hand if you got more than 10 of them around, elementary school. More than 10. What elementary school you went to, bro? Are they still around in your life? Like, are they still hanging with you? It's all right. So if you have more than 10 elementary people in a relationship with you right now, raise your hand. Okay. Raise your hand if you got more than 10 people in your middle school in a relationship with you, raise your hand. In the middle school. Then you're still cool with 10 people from your middle school. Really? All right. You guys are great. All right. Now raise your hand if you're in a relationship with at least 10 people from high school. It's not a lot. Now keep your hand up. Look around. Keep your hand up. Look around. All right. Now, put your hands out. Now, raise your hand if you're still connected with at least 10 people from your college, if you've been to college. All right, look around, look around. Everybody look around, take a look. Not a lot of hands. Now, how many friends that you have, think about it. I'm not saying raise your hand now, but how many friends that you have in elementary school? Do you remember? Was it a lot? Okay, how many friends did you have in middle school? Do you remember? Was it a lot? All right, how many friends did you have in high school? Boy, oh boy, I was dumb. Now, how many friends did you have in college? Now, it's funny because at the time when you're living in those moments, you think that your life is your friends. Your, your parents couldn't tell you anything. Your parents couldn't stop you from hanging out with them. Everything was about you and your besties, your BFFs. It was about that. Right or wrong? Right? Come on, clap your hands. Clap your hands. I'm touching them now. And what happens is that in our walk, we, we tend to realize that sometimes... We have these big circles, but as we begin to get older, our focus, like when we're young, our focus is like this big, because we're dreaming. You know, we're dreaming. We're in that space now. And as we continue to get older, our our dreaming now begins to get narrow, because when I was in third grade, I was going to the NBA. You couldn't tell me nothing. I was going to be seven foot five, dunking in on Shaquille O'Neal and Michael Jordan. But as I went to the fifth grade, I realized that I really wasn't growing so much, so then my narrow... (laughs) 
Listen, don't hate on me. Because you were thinking the same thing. Some of y'all probably thought you was going to be a princess in a castle. Listen, and for my old school people, they thought they was going to be in blue chips. Remember blue chips? They came out with a new movie. Elder Ross was one of them. He used to walk in the house with the belt. I almost fell. You saw that, right? I almost slipped. These shoes are slippery. Jesus Christ, I'm about to take these off. Elder Ross probably thought he was going to be like a, uh, a sheriff or something. You know, because that, back in the day, they had the guns. They're like, you should shoot the smoke. John Wayne. John Wayne. You used to think he was John Wayne? <laughs> I like Elder because he's smart. He's like, I'm not going to explain. Al, did you used to think he was John Wayne? <laughs> but Baez, you used to think he was John Wayne? I'll tell you one show that everybody knows, Baywatch. You remember Baywatch? He really thought he was going to be Baywatch. <laughs> until, until he probably realized, like, these abs ain't coming along like I thought they was going to come along. And what happens is now, as you get older and you start to realize, like, a lot of the dreams that I have, a lot of the things that I thought I really was going to accomplish, they're harder to get there. It's really not going to happen. And now, as your friends were so around you because everything was a dream for them, now they start to realize, like, maybe you're not that important after all. And they stop maybe even being your friend. They start maybe talking about you. Or, or, or maybe like even in a marriage and, you know, you guys get together and you put a ring on it and all of a sudden things are great. You go to the honeymoon, pa, pa, pow. You come back a month later, it's like, what's going on? Because relationships change in time. And what happens is that really the only strong relationship that you need that you should want is with God. But one of the main things that the people preach in the, in the church that I really don't understand is, when, when they start to sing these songs and when they start to say, like, all I need is you, Jesus. All I need is you. And you guys get so in the moment, like, yeah, that's really all I need. I don't need him. I don't need her. I don't need this one. I don't need that one. I don't need that ex-boyfriend. I don't need that husband. I'm getting a divorce. And you guys start getting into that zone thinking that you can really do this walk alone. And what happens is that in relationships, I'm going to tell you what's going on. In relationships, a true strong relationship is supposed to be like a bank, right? I put in and I'm able to take out. Sometimes you get into a relationship or you get into mentorship that sometimes you're giving everything and you're not getting nothing in return. So what happens is you're beginning to dry out because you're not getting nothing back from the relationship. You're not getting nothing back from the from the. From the from the bond that you guys have, you're always giving. Your cousins always want money. Your family always want prayer. You know, they always want you to come to the house and anoint it. But you taught them how to do it like 55,000 times. And they still don't want to do it by themselves. And what happens is that you begin to realize, like, man, I'm giving and I'm giving and I'm never getting nothing back. And that's a dangerous relationship. If you're in that type of relationship, you have to reconsider it. Because it's drying you out. You're wondering why you're waking up and you don't want to go to work. You're wondering why you used to be happy and you're no longer happy. Because there's people in your life that are conti- that they're con- they're constantly taking from you and they're not giving nothing back. That's not a real relationship. That, that, that's, that's really like somebody just taking, you know, what's in your pockets and keeping them for themselves. Now, now don't get me wrong. When somebody's mentoring you, they're, they're supposed to pour out in you. But the problem is, when they're pouring out on you, are you pouring out on somebody else? Let me give you an example. I, I, I really needed that wireless mic, but I would feel weird. And guys, this is not liquor. This is straight water. 
but can everybody see up here? All right. So look, this is this is this is this right now is not God. I'm not even talking about God right now. This is I'm gonna pour some in for you, and then I'm gonna pour some in for your friends, right? And your relationships. So it's it's an equal thing right now, right? And look, now it's you, and this is you, and now you're full, right? Like you're coming from church. And now you're getting ready to minister. Hey, man, uh, I just came from church. The word was great. This small guy with a bald spot, he did an awesome job. He had some shiny shoes, cool hand. He was an amazing person. God just moved. Worship was amazing. People bowed down. They were doing great. And now you're giving all of that back. And then once you give it to somebody, they'll be like, oh, really? Okay. Let's, let's smoke. Right? So now you just deposited everything in that relationship, and now you got a little bit left. Right? So now as you come out of church and now they talk about they want to smoke. Now they talk about they want to party. Now they want to throw on some Drake. Right? No wonder you don't come next week. Because everything around you, every relationship around you is not formed around where you're going. Listen. Every single relationship that's connected to you should be able to reflect where you're going. It shouldn't have to reflect where you was. Oh, shoot. shoot. It, listen, when I look at my life and I look at the fact that when I was in the hood, I was around hood people. And, and, and trust me, they love me. I can still go back and be accepted. But the thing about it is they can't teach me nothing I don't already know. Hear me now. I'm not, I'm not disrespecting anybody, and I'm not saying that I'm greater than them or lesser than them. All I'm saying that is if you have a goal and if you have a desire to do something and to grow in something and to do something amazing in your life and not be the same as your father, your mother, your cousin, your sister, then you have to be able to understand that some of the relationships that you're going to have are not going to look to what you want to see. When I, when, I, when I think about my friends now, they don't even look like me. They don't even talk like me. They don't even think like me. As a matter of fact, sometimes when I'm talking, they got to tell me, oh, no, Nate, slow down. You a Christian, bro. And I got that constant reminder. I am a Christian. I am going somewhere. I am a new creation. Now, let me ask you a question. If I didn't have that in place, and I say that footnote, or that curse word, or I think that negativity, or the fact that I got a sickness in my body and I'm looking for healing. Would, would my old relationships be able to give me a Bible verse to encourage me? Would my old relationship be able to tell me stand in Christ, be still, and watch the Lord move? Would my old relationships be able to give me some type of hope and inspiration? Nah, what they probably do is pass me a blunt and say, yo, bro, smoke your life away. It's going to be okay. How is that going to help me grow? How is my old relationships going to help me when the only thing that they, they can reflect to is a rapper that they never met? How can, listen, I'm preaching, I don't care. How can my old relationship establish me in my job when they can't say one sentence without cursing? You understand? There's power in a relationship. But the thing about it is that we're looking for the relationship to be just like us. And it shouldn't be just like us. We can mingle with our old friends, but what about the new direction? You're talking about, y'all. I want my life to change. I want to be different. Watch, tomorrow I'm going to give everything to God. 
And then your friend goes, but why are you going to that church? I mean, all of them look like crazy when they bow down and they start dancing and the crazy man be preaching and you got to give money to an offering plate. Like, what's all that about? That's why I don't go to church. But the thing about it is when they go through a problem, they run to the church. <laughs> and they might not even post that on Instagram, but they probably in the back pew right now talking about, I don't want nobody to know I'm in church, but I need Jesus right now. And then, and then what happens is that the first thing, you know, probably don't notice it. It's probably something you don't even pay attention to. When something bad goes on, what's the first thing that comes out your mouth? Oh, my God. Jesus. I mean, we call on him anyway. But the thing about it is we're too, we're too hood for that. Or we're too, like, you know, established in our business. Or we're too, you know, professional to look weak. To look like we need somebody to actually help us out on our situation. So we'd rather pay some psychologists millions of thousands of dollars to tell us what Jesus could tell us from the Bible. And then what happens is we'd rather go on Instagram and, and, and receive the likes from people you never met. But when you can come to church and get an embrace from people that are actually there. So why would I want a like from you? I don't even know you. You live in Australia, bro. Like, I need an embrace right now. I need a hug right now. I need a high five right now. You think I could go to my hood and be like, yo, praise the Lord Jesus. God is great. God is good, man. They'll be like, yo, shut up, bro. He's like, you chill, bro. You're making it hot right now. Like, yo, the cops is coming. They're going to think you're crazy, bro. Chill. I'm trying to get that fine-looking woman right there. Yo, chill. She don't love God, bro. She's, a, she's an atheist. So that means that I got to stop what I'm doing. I got to be able to settle my things, and I got to be able to stop my praise and my worship just to please a friend. So I got to be able to stop my passion. I got to put God on pause just to please my friend, just to please my husband, just to please my relationship. When the fact of the matter is that they can't please you. And if God has given you the pleasure to praise, if God has given you the will to worship, and he's giving you the will to call out and say, God, I need you. Come into my life. Why would you want to stop that and put that on pause? Because that's where your breakthrough's at. That's where your breakthrough's at. Listen, the thing about God is you see how you pour into the relationship. Eventually you dry out, right? Fine. Once you fill them up and you come to God or you come to church or you decide to do something different in your life, your friends are out anyway. So I'm going to put this water over here because they don't want nothing to do with you. People don't want nothing to do with you when you start to change. They, when you start to decide to do something for yourself and pick yourself up and become different and actually put on a suit and a tie and look proper, they don't want to talk to you no more because now you're different. Yo, chill. You changed up on us, yo. You're not welcome here no more. Now what we're going to do, we're going to have secret parties. We're not even going to text you when we go out. And then you see it on Instagram or Facebook like, oh, they ain't playing me like that. Yo, my family's having a family reunion, and I wasn't even text. Yo, they text you? And we get offended by that because guess what? We put our all in our relationships. Because I could guarantee that everybody in here is real like that. When we love, we love for real. I'm not going to play with me this morning. That's okay, bro. Take a seat, man. Day off, man. Stop, stop, stop. I'm nobody, man. Go sit down. Just, I hate that. I hate this. No, I hate the service. Just let me be. But, but what I'm saying is that when you begin to finally say yes to God, 
and no to them, when you finally begin to say, Lord, I love you, and forget what they think, that's when you're going to start to see breakthrough. You see, because a lot of people think it's fake, but they never try it. Now I'm going into the relationship that you need with God. I spoke about the relationship that you have with people, but the relationship that you need with God is essential. Because it's impossible for you to live life and not really have a relationship with something. Think about it. You know what's that? You walking by yourself all day, every day? Going home by yourself all day and every day? Going to work and nobody talks to you? Think about that life. How would that feel? The fact that you can't open up your mouth and say a word. How would that feel? How would that feel when you walk by and nobody embraces you? Nobody says hi. That's how God feels when you walk by him. That's how he feels when you don't pray in the morning. That's how he feels when he tells you, yo, bro, I need you to really pray right now because your family's going through a situation and you decide to go to the liquor. And you decide to go to the people. You decide to go to that party. And you forget about what's really important. The Bible says clear that for he that doesn't give on to his family, doesn't care about his family, is worse than the unbeliever itself. So you can believe in God, but if you don't give to your family, your heart, and your love, man, you're worse than an unbeliever. And what happens is that some of us live life like that. And we find loopholes. We find ways to act like we got a relationship. We find ideas that make us feel like we're doing enough. I'm just going to go on Easter Sunday. Or I'm just going to go on Christmas service. Or I'm just going to go at Thanksgiving service. Or I'm just going to go this Sunday. And I'm going to skip two Sundays. Because I got to clean my house. But what about your real house? And the reason why I wore the suit today is because I can change the exterior. And I can look smart. And I can think smart. I can do all that. But the fact of the matter is that what's inside is really what stays. That's why to me it doesn't matter what, how you look or what you dress or what you wear. That don't matter to me. It never did. It never did. You could be the smartest dude and not go to college. You could be the most inspirational person and not have to go through anything. But because what's inside is what really matters. You understand? Like the suit doesn't make me a preacher. What makes me a preacher? What's inside? The time that I spent reading the word, the discipline that I do to try to live right, it's hard. This thing ain't easy. It requires discipline. It requires discipline to try to stay in a hard marriage, to try to stay, to come to church when your husband don't even want to go to church, or to come to church when your wife don't want to go to church. People don't see that struggle. They see what you got on, though, but they don't see what's happening inside. They don't see the fact that you're suffering just to worship. They don't see the fact that you're suffering just to praise. They don't see the fact that you're hurting just to lift up your hands and to come to church and to try to live right. This is why, this is why you can't focus on the nonsense people that want to stand over there all filled up with the nonsense. They think they got it together, but they're far away, man. They're, they're like, yeah. light years. Light years away from really understanding. And they want to tell you how to do it. Those ones over there, they want to send you a Facebook message. So not only you will read it, everybody will read it. And know all about you and what you're struggling with. But they, they can do that. But they can't knock on your door and give you a hug and say, I'm with you no matter what. And this is, this, is why, this is why I don't worry about that no more. This is why I don't focus on what people think about me, man. I don't care. I, like, I'm really serious about that. The only thing I care about is if I'm doing what God is telling me to do. And the only thing that I'm focused on is the people that are focused on it with me. 
I'm focused on the people that are on it with me. So when I'm on my knees and I turn and I see my daughter, I'm like, she with me. I'm not focused about the people that are making fun of my backside. I could care less about that. I'm focused on the people that are standing right beside me every single step of the way. Every single step of the way. Because when Jesus was on this, when was on this world, right, Peter even told them, no matter what I go through, I'm never going to leave your side. And the minute the, pro- the process of the cross came, where was Peter? Dipped. Gone. And I guarantee that there's people right now in your life that are saying, no matter what you go through, girl, I'm going to be with you forever. Let a problem come. Let your car not work. Let your credit card go decline. Let you lose your job. Let your marriage go shaky. Listen, they will be gone in an instant. And this is why I got to be able to be grateful for the relationship that God has given me that are actually strong and vibrant no matter what I feel, no matter what I'm going through, they're always there. Come on, give a round of applause for those friends that are always there. That don't turn the cheek when you're struggling. That don't look away when you're going through a battle. But they're right there praising with you, worshiping with you, praying with you, seeking God with you. Those are the relationships that we should be seeking. You want to be, you want to be in an in upright place with God? Seek the relationships that he's trying to give you. I'm telling you, they're not going to look like what you think. When I came to Christ, I started to bug out because I'm wondering why everybody's wearing suits. Why everybody looks so clean. And then I go from that church service and I go back to 183rd and Garden Street and everybody was looking bummy. And I started to think like, if I want to go somewhere, I got to move. If I want to do something in my life, I got to go. I love you, but I got to move. Because I feel that there's like something in me right now that I got to do something in this world. I got to change somebody's life. I got to be able to establish myself. So if you can't give me what I need, I'm going to find a way to go and get it. And then as I came into the church, I started to build relationships with people that, that were like smart. You guys are laughing, but it's true. They were smart. They knew how the world moved. They knew that the round was a circle. This whole time, the only thing I thought was my block was the world. No, they started to expand my mind. Hearing Pastor Preach started to open up my ways. And I started to think, oh, so being a bad dad is, isn't the way to go. There's actually good fathers out here. Oh, getting a divorce is not the answer. Fighting with everybody is not the way. Hate in the world is not the way. And it happened because I started to build these new relationships. I took a risk. To get here, I took a risk. And listen, I'm not going to tell you that it was easy. No, it was very difficult. Even now, I still have relationship issues. I don't pick up my phone as much as I should and check up on my friends. I struggle with that. That's because in my whole life, I felt like people were out to get me. So now I'm trying to learn how to relive my life in a better way, in a, in a way that I can trust people again. That takes time. But the fact that the people are still willing to wait with me, oh, my God, bro. Because there's something about somebody that will stand with you. And, and, and the thing about it is that God... Even though we serve God, even though we come to church every Sunday, we really don't see God. Because God lives through his people. 
I'm about to preach. God lives through his people. And the fact of the matter is, I wouldn't know what a working relationship was unless I saw it. I wouldn't know what a true friendship was unless somebody demonstrated it. I wouldn't know how to worship if I didn't see somebody worship. I wouldn't know how to preach if I didn't feel somebody, if I didn't know how to preach. Somebody had to teach that to me. And it was the power of the relationship that helped me understand that things are not the way that I thought they was, that things could actually be different. And it was in that relationship that I began to realize why I could be better, why I could speak better, why I could dream bigger. I don't have to settle for less. Church and neighbor say, you don't have to settle. Church and neighbor say, people may hate you, but God loves you. And the thing about it is that God loves you so much that he puts people in place to be pillars in your life. He puts people in place that no matter what you do, you can't shake them off. And I'm serious about that. No matter how you talk to them, they'll still be there. And that's how you know that that relationship is actually of God. That's how you know that that relationship is actually good. That when you're going through a time of trouble, they're at your door like, what can I do? I'm at your service. The, The power about this is that my selection is key. And when I think about my relationship with God, God knows that we are empty. This is why one of my favorite songs is, fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. Fill me up till I overflow. Oh, listen. Fill me up till I overflow. I want to go. I want to. So when I think about that song, something in me happens because I know what it's like to feel dry. Listen, how many of you guys know what it's like to be dry? How many of you guys know what it's like and not feel encouragement? How many of you guys know what it's like to be at your wit's end and have nothing left to give? And, the, and you go to one friend, they can't give you nothing. You go to this counselor, they can't give you nothing. You go to this Bible study, they can't, you can't get nothing from nowhere. No matter where you look, you can't get anything. Because they are not the unlimited source. They are not the unlimited source. And this is why the enemy doesn't want you to know God. This is why the enemy is trying to trap your ears right now not to hear the gospel. Because the minute that you begin to set yourself free and seek God and love God and worship God and actually know that he is the never-ending source that can give and give and give and give and give and never run dry. Oh, my God. And that's the point. That's the point. We're looking for our friends to fill us up, but they're not even up to the top. They're not filled up to the top. They're halfway. Some of them aren't even all the way halfway. Some of them are walking dead. Some of them are walking dead. And they're living there. They're thinking that they got it all under control. That they got it all together. Not knowing that the person that you're trying to seek it from can't give you the answer. Can't give you the breakthrough. Can't give you the promise. Can't take you from one level to the next level. That person cannot do it. The only one that can do it is the never-ending source, the one that never runs dry. They have rivers of flowing water coming in and out of him at all times. You can call on him at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, rock. It does not matter. The point of the matter is that when you call on him, he answers. 
And then when he answers, he just doesn't give you a little bit. I mean, he just goes, listen, I know you've been dry for a while, so I'm going to give you back your worship. I'm going to give you back your praise, but I'm not going to stop it there. I'm going to keep going to all the way when you feel like I'm, I'm giving you every feeling that you need to the point that when I keep giving, you're just going to be overflowing and overflowing and overflowing. And just when you think that he had enough giving it to you, he's going to say, I'm still not done, my son, my daughter. I'm going to give some more to the point when I'm giving you so much, you're going to overflow. You're going to overflow. Overflow. So when people try to tell you you don't got it, you say, I got that and some more. I got that and some more. Listen. Because people are always trying to count you out. They can count you out when you're alone. But they can't count you out when you've got God. Who? I can do all things through God who strengthens me. Greater is he that it is in me. So whenever you think I can't, watch me do it. Just when you think I can't do it, watch me pull it through. Because I'm not standing on my own strength. I'm not leaning on my own strength. I'm trusting on the overflow of God. I'm leaning on the overflow of God. And that's what's going on. Because a lot of people think that you just, you, you're at your cap. There's no cap. Who said there's a cap? Who said that there was a cap? That God just gave you one breakthrough and that's, that's all you need. <laughs> that's a lie from the devil. God says, I'm going to give you that breakthrough and I'm going to bring your family back. When I bring your family back, I'm going to give your brain back. When I give your brain back, I'm going to bring your whole, I'm going to restore everything. That's the thing. That's the thing. But the problem is, are you looking at it over here with somebody that can't give you no overflow? Or are you seeking that ever-ending source that doesn't stop to give, that doesn't think twice to give? You think God says, oh, before you come to me, please just... He's like, yo, bro, I've been waiting for you this whole time. I've been waiting for you this whole time. You thought that coin hit you? You thought that was a miracle? Nah, that was me stopping it. You thought you was going to die in that deathbed? Nah, that was me reliving you. Because I'm not done with you yet. The work just started. The, your life just began. I'm trying to do something great in you. You thought that the trial that you're going through right now was the beginning of the end? No, that's the beginning of the future. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. What it does mean is that he's showing you something. He's building something in you. If it wasn't for the things that I went through, I wouldn't be this strong. The things that I went through is what's establishing my praise. And I love it because you won't understand my praise until you understand my pain. My pain is my praise. So when you see me go crazy in the Lord, it's because I know that I've been hurt. I know that I've been through some stuff. And the fact of the matter is you might see the bullet holes. You might see the scars on my lip. But that's just the healing. But it doesn't mean it ain't happened. I've been healed, but it happened. And I don't forget. So whenever I hear somebody say, worship him, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Because I know that the, the doctor couldn't fix it. Do you guys know I used to be on pills? My mom said I was mentally retarded. She put me on Ritalin. They took me out of a big classroom and put me in a small classroom. Now you go check the people in the big classroom and see where they at. Listen. What happened was that there was a transformation that first had to happen in me. First, I had to understand that I couldn't do it. Second, I had to build a relationship. And two, I had to find a place that had a family-oriented structure. 
Because the hurt, had to, somebody had to be able to heal that with love. Because even my own family hurt me. The own people, the people that are around you since you was born are sometimes the ones that hurt you the most. The people that you thought were going to be there to the end, when you realize that they're not always, always there to the end. And I had to come to a place where I had to be real with myself and stop lying. Because we lie to ourselves all the time like, yo, we can do it. Put this on. Because a lot of times, this is how we are. Mike ain't no skinny dude. He's a pretty strong guy. All right. And this is what happens with our lives, man. This is what we do. This is what we do. We put these, 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 these images. We could do the push-ups. We got the pecs all popping out. We looking like the rock. And some of us might not even look like that. Some of us might just know how to be strong. Because our family taught us to hold the tears. Don't let, don't let nobody see you cry. Keep your head up. Or, or, or people, people, people hurt us so much that we, we build a wall to let you know, like, we, we love you, but there's a wall up. And you can't really build a strong relationship with God with a wall up. Why? Because in that wall, you're hiding all the things. How heavy is that bag? Huh? Huh? No, no. Keep saying it. It's what? It's what? It's what? Say it louder. It's heavy. Does it feel good? No, right? Why doesn't it feel good? Because it's heavy. It's heavy. And that's the thing about... Listen, I came prepared today, boy. So listen... This is God. He's like, yo, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. He says, while you're still too busy building the wall, keeping me away, I'm going to let you carry that heavy stuff. Because all I had to do was ask him and what he said. He said, it's heavy. So God is like, all right, whenever you're ready, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. Because the thing about it is that God is a nice gentleman, man. He comes in with the suit and the tie, bro. And he comes in proper. But the minute that you invite him in, he's like a doctor. He's not going to play games with you. He's going to come in and actually clean it out. How many of you guys ever been to a dentist? How many of you guys ever took like more than a year to go to the dentist to get a cleaning? How much blood comes out of that cleaning? How much pain comes out of that cleaning? So much so that for a while it hurts. But when that thing heals and your gums come back, your smile is more beautiful than ever. Because God makes sure that when he is done, he's going to clean everything out. There's going to be a little hurt. It's going to hurt a little bit. But I guarantee you that when I'm done, it's going to be beautiful. How heavy is that? Are you ready? Can I come in? All right. We going in. Now, this is the thing about God. He's not just going to take the book bag. 
Come over here. You're already listening. Good, obedient son. Hallelujah. God is well pleased. God is not just going to grab the book bag and trade you the book bag. God's going to hold on to the peace. He's going to hold on because he says, before I give you all of that, I want to make sure that I go in each and every compartment and take it out. I got to go in the book bag. Hear the wall coming down. Did that hurt? Huh? I put you in anesthesia. That's why you're asleep right now, hypnotized. <laughs> but now, now, now the first process happened where I'm getting ready to open you up. You see what I'm saying? This is why the true sign of surrender to God is number one, kneeling, but number two, opening up. So now, as you open up, God got you nice and open. Turn this way. All the way back. Turn to this side. Yeah. So now he got you open. So now we're beginning to see some of your stuff. Some of the stuff that's inside of you that a lot of people don't know. And now he gets, he gets one of the stuff out. Right? He's like, you don't need this. Somebody gave you that like 10 years ago. It's no longer valuable. I gotta let, you got to let go of that. We're not done yet. You try, to, you try to hide behind your image. You stink, but you was trying to smell good. But don't worry about it, because I'm going to give you a fragrance that everybody can smell. Lord. And then he goes, then he goes, all right. In middle school, somebody said that you were ugly and had a big nose. You kept that your whole life, but it's time to let that go. Then he goes, oh, the, Babe, I was looking for this. I couldn't find it. We don't need this. <laughs> that was a good joke, right? That was actually pretty cool. That was pretty cool. How many of you guys receiving something from this? You guys good? All right. I got two minutes. Now, he goes, I wanted this to represent like legal documents because some of us need to understand that just because they gave birth to you doesn't mean they're going to be there to the end. Listen, yesterday I was in a funeral. My wife told me to say it, so I'm going to be obedient and say it. Some, how many of you guys know that there's gems in your wife? Yes. But there's also gems in your husband, so listen to me too. Listen. <laughs> when I was 16 years old, my mom was going through a tough trial, and she forgot about her kids. She was going through a lot. And I remember when, when I was 16, she left. She dipped. She went to Boston. Me and my brother was left alone. We didn't have nowhere to go. This lady, I was, I'm not going to lie, Baby, can I say it? Right. I was dating her daughter. <laughs> there, I said it. I'm human, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. See, I had this already done. So I was dating her. I was dating, you know, her daughter. I met her in the Bronx Zoo, and she decided that she was going to take me in. Her name was Gigi. The thing about it was that my mom used to go to church. So I, I know what it's like to be in the house when you're growing up. Everything is about church on a Sunday. But I also know what it's like to be in a house that that all is gone. And then you start to see mega sin. And you, that, that's, what, that's a lot of stuff brings confusion. Again, the power of relationships. I could have decided not to come back. But the, but the power of relationships was that my mom knew maybe when she was Younger that, she said, the Bible verse says that when you train your child in the ways of the Lord, 
I think she had that understanding. It says, when you train your child in the ways of the Lord, they won't depart and they will come back. They won't depart from it. So my mom maybe had that understanding, and she raised me in church, and eventually I lived my life, and I walked out, and I did, and she lived her life, she walked out, and she came back to Christ now. And I came back to Christ, and now my brother's come back to Christ, now my other brother's come back to Christ. I mean, it's just a whole thing going on. But what happens is, what happens is that the birth certificate sometimes has a last name. And you might not even know where that last name came from. Some of us probably never met our dad. Some of us probably never met our mom. Some of us probably never met either or. And the point is that we live our life based on, I wonder if. And this hurts, man. This birth certificate thing, this birth thing is a real thing. This hurt in the house. Because sometimes the birth certificate says a name and you don't even know where it comes from. So you live your life like wondering. But the thing about it is that when you come to Christ, he adopts you. And even if you don't want the name on the birth certificate, he changes it anyway. But he doesn't put a name on it. He puts the blood. Yeah. So the same blood that Jesus died on the cross for is the same blood that he wipes the name off with. He goes, no, 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 listen. That wasn't your daddy anyway. That wasn't your mom anyway. I was the creator. I was the one that put you here. I was the one that put you in this earth and gave you a purpose to be here. So now what I'm going to do is the same blood that my son put on Calvary Rock is the same blood that I'm going to take and I'm going to wipe that off. Because you belong to me anyway. So, so if you had identity issues about your parents, that's gone. Because now the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood. The blood is what covers you. The blood is what restores you. The blood is what brings you in. In the Bible, when the deaf angel was going around getting ready to kill... They, they sprinkled the blood on the door, and the deaf angel had to go over the doors that had the blood of Jesus. So when you come to God, the, the enemy's trying to bring death to you, but he can't touch you because the blood is on you. It's covering you, and they have to go through loops and hurdles just try to get the way to you, but, but the blood of Jesus. There is power. Wonder work and power in the blood. That's my favorite song because, because it has power, it has substance. Power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. This is what I'm saying. Like when you sing that song, it has to do something in your spirit. You just can't stand still, especially when you know that you've been forgotten about and now you're remembered by God. When you think about that blood, you're like, whoa, that precious blood. The blood that covers me. The blood that heals me. The blood that set me free. The blood that, that the old man, it's that blood of Jesus. It's the blood. The blood of Jesus, it covers me, it heals me, it broke every chain, every generational curse, it healed me, it gave me life, it gave me strength. It's the blood of Jesus. And the thing about it is, you can't purchase the blood with money. Because it was already bought with Jesus. He said, yo, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to pay it in advance. How many, how many people do that for you? You want a house, but somebody pays it in advance. That don't happen all the time. That barely happens. Jesus goes, listen, I knew who you were. I know what's going to happen. I know exactly what you've been through, and I'm going to pay it in advance. So even when you feel like you want to commit suicide, you're not because you're going to think about the blood. Even if you feel like you want to give up, you're not because you're going to think about the blood. 
So now what God does, he goes in here, and this is the most important thing, because this is what you hold. It's, it's heavy. It's heavy. Mm. It's heavy. It's heavy. Pass that around. It's heavy. This is what we hold in. We hold in this black cloud of straight negativity that's really heavy. That's, that's, it's a real heavy, heavy cloud. And we choose to carry that. We choose to carry it because we want to come in and be fake. This could be a restoration service today. I could preach that I'm blue in the face, but at the end of the day, what decision are you going to make at the end? That's what really matters. The decision that you make at the end to be restored, to be redeemed, to be saved, to be set free, to be light. That decision is on you. What do you want to carry? You want to carry light or you want to carry heavy? That decision is on you. And now God, you let him in. Now he got to come in and take away the mind. Because in here lies so many lies. So many untruths. That not only you feel like it's correct. But people around you try to confirm it. And it's a lie. So now God got to come in and change up your whole computer system in your brain. So when the enemy tries to come in. And raise up a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. Hallelujah. And instead of you feeling like you're alone, God says, No, nah, you're not alone. Now I gave you a new system to operate on. Hallelujah. I gave you an upgrade. <laughs> See, this is the thing God is not just gonna clean you out and just leave you empty. He's gonna come in and restructure some things in your brain. Hallelujah. He's gonna give you a new microchip with some new gigabytes, Hallelujah. some new TB. So that you can download more, so you can receive more, so you can remember more. God clears out all that negativity. And when he clears it out, he goes, now you can operate fully. Now when I speak to you, you listen. I'm sorry, bro, I got a mess over here. You got a long job after this. I'm almost done. Now God goes, listen, all this trash you got on the bottom that you're still trying to hold on to, I'm going to take that out. Because where this dude looks nasty. Garbage is nasty. It's nasty. How many of you guys want to live in garbage? We're going to see. And then what happens is that now you're all cleaned out, right? Everything looks good? Everything looks good? Is it cleaned out? Man, there was a secret compartment somewhere in there. There's a secret compartment. I got to look for it because sometimes you even hide it from me. You don't want me to know this. You got to like, you, we got to go in there. And then now, it's deep in there, bro. And it's a bunch of junk. Now, when you make the decision to come to Christ and build the relationship with God, now God goes, now I'm going to give you a relationship with me. I'm going to restore your old relationships. I'm going to give you a brand new relationship with your family. And now I want you to go out and do something positive for the community. I want you to do something positive for, for the people that are out there that are hurting. Because the thing about it is some of us just like the fact that we're cleaned out. And that's all good for us. But what about the people that have the same issue? What about the people that are struggling with the same thing? Do we forget about them or are we just too worried about us? God put us in this world to be effective, to build disciples, 
to raise them up, to train them in the ways of the Lord. So when they get attacked, they know how to defend themselves. So when they go through, they know how to pray for themselves. This is what God really, really, really wants. That's what a real vibrant church is, that we go out and we disciple people. And we tell people how to stand in Christ. That it's not just a Sunday thing, but it could be a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. In the morning, in the afternoon. They got to know these things because the enemy is going to try to come and attack them. So when you get healed up, now God goes, here comes the surgery. The part about this is that now he got to close all of that stuff up. You're healed. He's going to fill you up. I wish I had some cool stuff to fill him up with, like some cotton, make you like a -a (laughs) Build-A-Bear. But now God closes it. Now the thing about it is, it's sealed, but can you still see the scars? They're still there. The reminders are still there, but the fact of the matter is that you're starting the process of letting it go. And the funny thing is that God still got his book bag. Because now God says, you can keep your book bag. Because I cleaned it. God don't change your body. When that ever happened? God changes your body? No. He keeps you the same. But now you're thinking different. You see, I could have easily just gave him mine, but it's not him. I could have gave him mine. It's not him. He stays the same, but the fact is that he's light. You feel light? Is it still heavy? It's light. How light? It's real light. Like, can you jump? Yes. Can you leave? Can I what? Jump. Oh. Jump. Could you do that before? No. I mean, you could have, but it would have been heavy. Yes. Eventually, you would have got tired, right? Yes. So can you do this more and not get tired? Yes. Go ahead, bro. Go back to your seat, man. Thank you, bro. Stay with the book back for now. Guys, let's rise up. Let's rise up. I am so sorry. Guys, relationships is everything. They can make or break you. They can tear you apart or they can build you up. My, my objective today was that you know the relationship you can have with God, the relationship you can have with people, the relationship that you need to have that looks like a loving, flowing family. And the fact is that we got to go out. Some of us might not have received the rest of it, but some of us need to know that you've been sitting down for too long. Go out and activate yourself. Go out and get somebody saved. Bring them to church. Somebody can receive something from here today. 